Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift your dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. And we do that worldwide by connecting people uh, through our social media platforms with wonderful information and insights from those living with dementia to those caring for them, both family members and friends, as well as professionals and advocates, researchers, you name it, um, anyone and any uh, any service that uh, can help uh, others with this disease, we want to talk with them. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those living with the disease live with purpose. Together, we can help everyone understand the true needs of the disease and remove, again, these myths and stigmas that are so isolating for those diagnosed and their loved ones. At our core, we believe collaboration is the only way that we're going to win this battle. And we know it's working because of all of your likes and quick uh, clicks and shares um, regarding our resources. Each of you has had a huge impact, and so I just the time to like and share because when you um when you do that you're pushing information out into your own circles and many times we don't know who is dealing with this disease even in our own circles and so it's uh it's critically important the other thing that you did by doing that is you got Alzheimer's Speaks named as the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, um, which was just huge. And that was um, a recognition by ShareCare, which is the largest health and wellness uh, website in the world, and Dr. Oz. And, and for that, again, I want to thank each and every one of you for that. Today's show is going to be, I think, just absolutely fabulous, and we'd love to have you join the conversation. Um, you can do that in two fashions. You can, uh, you know, if you're listening online via your computer, you can utilize your chat box, and I'll be checking for messages there, or you can always call in live to the show, and that number is 714 364 Four seven five seven. Again, that number is seven one four three six four four seven five seven. Today's show, I, I'm really excited about. I I got to meet this woman who I had heard so much about. 
Her name is Mary Kay Baum. And last week, I um, was honored to be one of the presenters at a dementia-friendly intensive that was done in Wisconsin by the Wisconsin Assisted Living Association. It was four hours of jam-packed information of what is happening in Wisconsin, which is pretty exciting. Wisconsin is really one of the leading states in our nation doing some really cool, cool stuff. And um, I had the opportunity to not just meet Mary Kay, but actually um, interview her. And we had several phone conversations. And then uh, when we got to meet, it was just very, very exciting uh, for me. She's just doing phenomenal work. She is a a woman who has been diagnosed um, with dementia, but by no means is this stopping her uh, in her track. Today, she's going to share with us how how the disease has changed her and how she expresses herself a little bit differently. And I, I know that you're going to glean a lot of great um, information and insights from our conversation. Um, hopefully that you'll take home and apply. Um, in your personal life and if you're in the business at work and that you'll share with others. Uh, the information is so powerful and, and yet so simple if we just slow down uh, to pay attention uh, to what it is she's saying. Um, and she also has a great tip sheet that we will that we will talk about. One of the things that I, I love too about Mary Kay was that she told me she doesn't live with dementia. She lives with cognitive changes in life. And um, living life well is really about perceptions about those dealing with symptoms of dementia. And I thought, gosh, what a what a nice way to put that. Um, you know, she she has not slowed down one iota, and I don't expect she will. Uh, she's kind of been a community mover and shaker for, in Wisconsin for years. And so I'm I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome, Mary Kay. How are you today? I am fine, and I think we should clarify um, dementia is usually or often defined as um, having a condition that interferes with your your daily functioning of normal uh, habits of daily functioning, um, such as um, dressing, maybe driving, um, numbers of things, and I don't fit that definition. Um, my uh, but we but um i uh, what runs in our family is a dementia uh that use of combined alzheimer's and um vascular dementia so um if my whatever i have continues uh if it progresses it would it would likely lead to that. I have both of my parents were autopsied with proven Alzheimer's, um, and one with uh, my mother with the very early stage, uh, early onset uh, in her mid-50s. And that's what runs mostly among the women in our family. So with okay. that clarification, um, your okay. question was... Well, basically, I was just introducing you, and I, I was kind of setting up. What I wanted to do was really talk yeah. to you about what we what we talked about at the Walla conference because it was so mm -hmm. powerful, and people were just so excited about what you had to say. And, and basically what we did there was we talked about 
the the normal senses, you know, seeing, hearing, yes. those types of things. But you broke you broke each one down and gave examples of mm-hmm. of how how things have changed and how your perceptions, um, you know, dealing with those senses have changed, and, and so then it changes your reaction. And right. your uh, so I kind of wanted to go through just again examples of that. And so if we can maybe start with um, your eyesight and how how do you see things differently today? Okay, um, I like to start with a positive uh, change. I am much more uh, immersed in nature, and so when I see uh, a wildflower blooming or the cliffs. Uh, in the land or something, I am more, I feel more connected, more in awe than I ever did in the past. It is meditative for me, um, it, more vivid, um, makes me feel like uh, I'm accepted by all of creation and the creator. So I, that is a positive change and um I do like to relay that early on because I think persons without uh, known cognitive changes could benefit also by uh, hearing that about taking time to do that. But the the more challenges are that I um, am not so able to uh, learn from a written instruction book. Or, or even a demonstration. Ultimately, to I need to watch myself doing, learning how to use a new camera or learning how to use a new tool at the hardware store by doing it myself, and and the, and having someone guiding me to, uh, through it through it and uh, until I um, am successful several times. Okay, more traditional seen uh, through my glasses. I I got uh, glasses quite late in life, um, and I and I was given bifocals, and because I had a slight distance problem, but most of it was reading, um, and they just felt it'd be easier to adapt to both at the same time. But the bifocals, my brain, my mind, or the nerves to the brain could not um, adjust going through the reading part of the glasses to for my peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. And so peripheral vision um, is so important when you're when you're outside hiking or you know um, even walking the streets. I started to fall as I would walk off a curb in in the city that I've spent tons of years in, because no longer was my brain able to translate through the reading part of my glasses, and and if I was carrying something, that was even so much worse. And most of us have our peripheral vision just automatic. We don't even think about it. But um, I learned I'd, I'd have to look down purposely um, to see what was right in front of me, make sure I wasn't stepping into a hole or something, and look up to see where I was heading towards. And that was some adjustment. And, you know, when we get our eye practitioners to 
talk more with our neurological practitioners. Maybe um, they'll forewarn people about this. But um, a very common thing that I have and that I hear from other people with mild cognitive impairment is they they're looking. We're looking for an object in our house in order to leave. We're rushing, and we just don't see the object, even though it's in plain view. Uh, that could be my smartphone. That could be um, any oh um, uh, anything I really need. <laughs> it seems mm-hmm. like I cannot find it. Um, my. My judgment of space is skewed uh, somewhat. Um, I I don't have trouble with driving. I just had an excellent assessment on that and and follow. Um, uh, but looking at maps uh, really hard, and I might fall over things that again I don't see that are right in front of me. And that would be called spatial too. Uh-huh. Um, I. Um, Things on TV and the movies, um, it didn't bother me years ago or in most of my adult life to see the violent scenes, the chase scenes, the, uh, but now they really startle me. In fact, my, my family will uh, just be, <laughs> I will get startled by a commercial, <laughs> you know, where there's it, it, even something that's really uh, t- totally obviously fictional, like a great big baby on top of a, a little car or some, you know, some commercial kind of thing. It just, I, I, I even respond with a, with my hands up or with a, or with a voice, a sound, a startled voice coming out of me, and it, um, and I am for things that are ongoing. Um, uh, chase scenes or violence on television, I just have to close my eyes. And sometimes I just uh, so, um, I'll sometimes fall asleep in a movie theater because I've closed my eyes to that kind of thing and my family will hear me starting to snore or something. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's embarrassing, but it's just one of those things. Yeah, um, it happens. I noticed noticed that a lot with my mom and you know once Mm -hmm. I realized that it was it was so I mean it was so easy to just go turn the TV off because I remember her thinking that that we were actually when they were bombing Iraq she thought that was happening right around her and and I couldn't figure out why she was trying to weather channel sometimes and and I um close relatives watching um, a close relative watching the Weather Channel, where they're showing tornadoes in states away, um, will often feel, you know, st- uh, as if it's right close by, um, mm-hmm. and be fearful. Um, mm-hmm. Fear is an easy tendency for us, anyway. It's um, if, if we get de- a form of depression, it's it's often very fear-based. Um, I, oh, the other thing is, is, is sensory overload. Um, it didn't used to bother me when, uh, I think this is part of the chase scenes and stuff too, when um, 
when I see a website and it's zooming in and zooming out and there's moving objects and graphics, it, it kind of makes me dizzy even. Uh, it certainly startles me, and it is not pleasant to me. I, I would switch off those websites and, you know, go off of them immediately. Um, I think that might be a tip to many uh, marketers. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's kind of common for many people as we age anyway. Um, uh, the overload of movement and sounds, well, but we're trying to talk visual, but um, uh, I'd rather have um, a calming uh, and um, a sim- more simplified things to see. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, um, our family likes to play miniature golf or, or has when we get together, and I can't concentrate on doing a good stroke to get the ball into the hole and at the same time track of my numbers of strokes. It's too much at once. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I've learned... I'll just have uh, who, whichever family member is right behind me to keep track of the number of strokes. Then I don't feel like I'm cheating, <laughs> and yet mm-hmm. I'm um, I can concentrate on the fun of the you know the challenge of the game itself. Um, sure, it's interesting. It I sense. used to I used to think I could hold all these visual things in my mind at once, and that is not the case. Um, mm-hmm. I want to stay with one thing at a time. Um, and okay. Yeah. Well, those are those are those are great great examples that I think can really help people out a lot um, when it when it comes to um, sight and keeping things in mind. Can you give us some examples of of sound and hearing? Because I I know this you know you talked about sensory overload and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that can really come into play with with hearing. Oh, yes, yes. Um, hearing uh, uh, sudden noises, um, I will cringe or gasp from. Um, and um, when I um, in a family reunion or something, which I used to enjoy greatly, but the the sensory overload of some are watching a football game right near us and cheering for that, and some of us are, you know, uh, heating up food and discussing, you know, the recipe for whatever traditional food, and the kids are, you know, riding these little toys that make noise, and and the doorbell rings and the and the phones ring and. Uh, if I'm in an assisted living home visiting someone, you know, a a, 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 a um, warning sign, somebody that's gone out a door or something, all this at once, uh, playing bingo in the background, it is overwhelming. And I can handle being there if I really want to, but it totally exhausts me. Even if I'm doing nothing there, the noise, the different kinds of noise, the well, I'll give a very simple example. Because we wouldn't normally think of going into a restaurant as 
noise overload. But if I'm at a table talking, wanting to talk with someone that I'm eating with, and there's just a normal conversation in the next booth or the next table, I can't block out that sound the way I used to. And I used to be very good at that as a candidate for public office many times I could go from one conversation in a room full of conversations and just hear the person I'm wanting to talk with now Mm -hmm. I can't I cannot block that out and I can work really hard to look at the person I want to talk to and try to only hear their words but I will be exhausted again by that sort of overwork on on the con- on trying to stay within one set of sounds and mm-hmm. i think people don't catch that especially if i'm good at camouflaging that but i will in leaving the restaurant or the the location i will be more exhausted than when i came in and the whole point was to have a refreshing you know luncher gathering you know yep. in a pleasant gathering so it's um, it's very uh, that is one of the more significant aspects of my changes and since my changes are very early on I can imagine it's amplified with people who are in more advanced stages so. yeah I, I think that's a huge huge issue for people and it's you know I think it's something that our businesses are really going to have to look at with the population changing and the numbers growing these Big, huge, open rooms just aren't going to work. Um, oh, yeah, you know, piped in music or that is, well, it's just, it irritates my, I can't, it's very hard then to have a conversation with the clerk about how something runs or what I need, you know, what I'm really looking for. If there's all this other sound coming at me, um mm-hmm. And um, another thing is more on the emotional side of hearing. If someone teases me, and I'm used to a family that teased each other and had it was just fine, um, and I was good at comebacks um, uh, that were truly uh, funny and and uh, so forth. But now if someone teases me, uh, say, say my son says, Mom, you, you don't understand how to use that simple app on your smartphone, I will take his words so literally and also more negatively. I don't catch the intonation that it's a tease. He's now learned to either not tease or do it so out of proportion that I would not miss it. Um, I think part of the reason I don't catch that things are a tease is I'm often not, I'm I'm so intent on hearing or something that I close my eyes or I'm not mm-hmm. looking at his face and not catching the the smile or the, you know, impish uh, uh, teasing type expression and Uh 
uh, often another example is rhetorical questions. I'll just start answering the rhetorical question in detail, and that's not what people were wanting. So <laughs> I don't catch or hear intonation the way I used to. Um, also take questions often as a, almost a text, like um, uh, someone uh, is asking me, oh, what, you know, what's the name of this person, this relative in your in your picture, or that's here. Uh, I um, having to come or being asked to come up with names or um, is is very hard, and and so being asked, I I don't take it in a pleasurable way the way I used to. Um, okay. You know, um, yeah. Steve had, had commented in the chat box, he says, our filtering system is compromised now. He says, every sound enters our, our brain and we can't shut it out. He says, it's exhausting. He said, his family that is now so, requests. Oh, that he is said, so his, perfect. Yep. Um, a lot of the people with hearing aids will say the same thing. Uh, most hear, Many hearing aids just amplify all sounds. Um, yep. I know there are more sophisticated ones than that, but... And they, and the person with difficulty hearing, will be overwhelmed by all so many sounds. Um, and well, I've and, advised. How many times do you, like a person with a hearing aid? A great example. How many times do you, do you hear people? I mean, they just turn it off. They just turn it off, and then their family right. members get mad. Turn that thing back on. <laughs> you know, it's like right. no. It's it's putting me in overload, you know. It's yeah. putting me in overload. I'm going to shut down so I can relax, you know. Um, uh-huh. Steve says he's gotten his family now. They request that music be turned off when they go out um, or, you know, or I would imagine when they're in the house. And, and he says, you know, mm-hmm. people really have to understand we have to work twice as hard to tune into a conversation. Otherwise, we miss little things. And I think that's such a critical, critical thing if 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 care partners can uh, you know just walk away with one thing just imagine working twice as hard to have a conversation um yeah you know I and think there right are simple there, ways um for both mm-hmm. those with hearing aids and for people like me who can't block out the sound other sounds um as easily nearly as easily as I used to um to sit at a table with eight chairs around it you know mm-hmm. there's going to be more than one conversation going on. There's probably going to be mm-hmm. two or more likely three conversations going on at once. I, no matter where I sit, in the middle or wherever, I cannot be a part of any of those conversations because of the competing sounds. And, and persons with um, hearing aids often are in the same situation and would rather be at a table set for four um, mm-hmm. And even just, and sometimes these tables for eight are are really two tables put together. And how much easier it would be. And but those, we all, the whole culture needs to start thinking about these things and making adaptations that are good for many people. Many people, their whole lives have problems with. Um, you know, multiple conversations. I just happened to, in the past, have been very good at being able to block out. Um, so it, it, these are le- what uh, lessons uh, I've learned 
myself and from talking with others in similar situations have helped me to think about adaptations that would just make life so much happier. I don't have to go into, isolate myself by going into a, a, a room by myself when it gets to be too much. We can look ahead and we can arrange the settings so that, so that one conversation is most likely to happen in one, you know, around one table or one little grouping of chairs. Um, yeah. Really, really important. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, and people just have to, you know, pay more attention because I, I mean, I know for me I'm 55 now. We'll be 56 mm-hmm. in a couple couple months. And I know I have a lot more trouble with background noise and and I'm sure it's nothing compared to, to what people with dementia or hearing loss are dealing with. Um, and it frustrates the crap out of me <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it's yeah it is it's irritating and it's upsetting because you you want to be able to um join in the conversation but when you can't hear everything i remember uh i was out with uh two other girlfriends and we were at a perkins this was hilarious and they had music <laughs> playing and we asked them if they could please turn that down and the the young little waitress looked at us like we were crazy and we said you know and we looked around and we said, you have to understand your audience here is all older. And, and it's very difficult for us to talk with that background noise because it was really loud. And so they turned it down just a hair. And finally, we we pulled the manager over and just said, because we all deal in the industry, and said, uh-huh. this is really inappropriate. This This isn't, I know this is what you guys have always done. But it just it's not what people are looking for anymore. You know, you go into the the sports bars and all the different um, you know, avenues and it's everything's big and open and high ceilings that echo and bounce sounds and um you know, mm-hmm. they need to put in some absorption panels um for noise and things because I had you know, not thought of that and that is a common problem, those echo sounds. Yep. Um well, that's yeah, and it will make it won't hurt anybody who, in you know, is can handle that extra music, and it will make so many people's lives easier, and many people, um, um, yeah, many people throughout their lives have this kind of issue, uh, especially if they have a hearing issue, and my hearing is very good, um, but. Uh, it's 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 a ma- I I you could if you look people in the face you can see they're struggling to hear or just hear the person they want you know that they're talking with and mm-hmm. um, but you have to pay attention um, and uh, even, and some of the people I've noticed among my good friends. Some of them have trouble with hearing themselves, so they'll mm-hmm. talk when somebody else is, even in a little foursome group where we should be able to hear each other very well, they'll talk over somebody else who's already talking, and then I can't hear or I can't absorb either either, either thing that's going on. And um, so people with hearing problems who haven't, ever gotten help with them uh, need to be aware too that 
um, they could be adding to the unpleasantness or the difficulty of, of others right close by. Sure, sure, which makes, I mean, it just makes a ton of sense, um, you know, that we just, we all have to be much more conscious. I know um, Harry Urban, who joins us a lot, and he's part of our uh, Dementia yeah. Chats group, you know, he he says it really helps him because he does have hearing loss to be able to see somebody, you know. So, again, looking at somebody, he says, I read, he says, I read lips a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and he says most of mm-hmm. us do and don't even know that we do it because we're so used to reading nonverbals, but we don't give them the value um, in, kind of in, on the importance scale in terms of our communication. And over three quarters of how we communicate is nonverbal. And exactly. So, you know, that's another um, huge, huge factor. There's one other um, thing about hearing, and that is it's hard for me or harder for me than it used to be to hear one long, complicated sentence all rushed together. Um, uh, and I'm not a good model of what I want. I want people to speak in short sentences um, with a little pause between them. And not that, I mean, by sentences it could be clauses. I don't, you know, I'm not uh, mm-hmm. talking grammatically. I'm talking about um, what I don't want is to people to suddenly think that they have to say every word really slowly because mm-hmm. that feels very um, like a put down, like I can't understand what they're going to say or what people are saying unless every word is sort of stretched out the way people um, um, often if you're trying to uh, speak to someone who isn't where English is not their first language we all tend to kind of stretch out each word that's not what that we're saying that's not what I'm asking for I for me and for many people like me um, shorter sets of words and then a pause and then another set of words is better than a long um, monologue. Uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's it's too much to take in all at once. Again, it's sort of sensory mm-hmm. overload in a way. Um, yep. And, and, and yet we don't, it, we don't, it's not helpful. It's it's almost demeaning to do it um, where every word is so you know. It's not like I can't understand the words, and I guess really that really comes down to knowing, getting to know the person you're t- you're talking with, and what is the best for them um, and for each other. And um, but in the meantime, until you really know somebody well. Pause between um, sets of words that can come together as one one thought. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think it's important to not only um, pause when you're talking, but um, mm-hmm. pause when you are asking a question and allow a person time <sighs> to respond. Because a lot of times we're, like we're like a train and we just run them over. You know, we hate silence, and so. <laughs> And silence is golden, <laughs> and but exactly. and it does. It invites the person, it invites me, to take my t- 
time to put a, a concise and a clear answer together that really says what I want to say. Um, and if if I if someone is it just asks five questions in a row, or you know, and 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 that is that is a debate uh, <laughs> when you're trying to intimidate the other speaker in a debate club or something. You might do that kind of thing. It it is intimidating in. And do you really want to intimidate your friend? Um, and so the, the friend never feels that you really want to hear. Or I feel like they really don't want to hear my opinion on on the first question or the second question or the third because they've just all, you know, pushed them together. It feels really like an attack when people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's so important. And then we get mad when somebody withdraws, but yet we're not allowing yeah. them time to uh, <laughs> What so we just caused, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. we got to get it inside. But it's it's those little things. I was at a um, another conference the week before the Walla conference, and I can't mm-hmm. remember who spoke. Wonderful woman, and um, she she worked at a, at a Jerry Psych unit. And one of the things she said is that there's the seven-second rule. She said when you ask a question, she says count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Just in your head, give them seven seconds to respond because, you know, the wheels are spinning in a little different fashion. It's not that the answer isn't in there. It's just trying to find its way out, you know. Exactly. and so she's oh, like, that's just, wonderful! And the tone of voice when asking that question, even though I say, uh, I you know sometimes don't catch the tone of voice, but if there's some tinge of of uh, of a put down or or some um, negativity to the question, I will interpret it as a, a put down. So as um, it it would so an inviting question um and one that isn't preferably one that is not asking for a precise who what where que- uh question where you feel on demand to come up with the name of a person that's when i'm not going to be able to come up with mm-hmm. the name of the person um mm-hmm. but um it, it, there are ways to help me um uh, say more about a subject by um by saying something like well that must have felt frustrating or you know um or um i or uh i remember when something like that happened to me or you know what i noticed when that happened was thus and thus and and then giving space for for me to add um, additional information without it feeling like an interrogation. Mm -hmm. Um, Questions can feel like an interrogation. They can feel like a test to see how I am functioning cognitively. We've, most of us, well, all of us with a diagnosis have had plenty of those kinds of assessments, and that's fine, but we really don't want that in our normal conversation. We'd 
rather have a sharing of uh, of experiences or views or you know um, or or plans or whatever, but not feel like we are the subject of an exam happening right then and there. Yep. Well, and none of us want to feel that way, especially when we're around friends or out in the community. I mean, if we're getting an exam, right. okay, then we're in a doctor's office, you know. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's about being it's about being respectful. Steve had noted um, to one of your comments, he says, yes, Mary Kay, it's as if um, they're doing it on purpose to exclude us sometimes the way people communicate with us, they, and and how awful. I mean, we all know what it's like to feel excluded. And it's it's not a pleasant feeling. And so we really have to be conscious of how we are coming off. And, and maybe our intent isn't that, but like you're explaining, sometimes you interpret things differently. Um, one of mm-hmm. the things, in fact, that we had talked about before was um, – you had talked about people give like a vague warning, warning like be careful, and that that can really startle you. And you said yes, you, you need, and you need I more and information. Yes, I much rather have a concrete. Uh, let's step over here um, uh, instead of don't fall or or uh, oh be careful. Uh, that gives me no information. It startles me. It, I'm more likely to fall. <laughs> um, it's I want a positive, clear suggestion rather than a vague, uh, negative alarm. Um, and frankly, doesn't everybody? Um, yeah. Well, and yeah. a good example would be like if you're driving and someone mm-hmm. says, look out. Yeah, you know, right. you're behind the wheel, and you're like, your eyes are peeling all over. Am I going to hit right. something? Is there a car coming? Is it, you know, is the light change? I mean, your your mind starts spinning through. What is it? And if I slam on my brakes, is someone going to rear end me? You know, so when when someone tells you that, again, it's you know, put put it in context makes a lot of sense because right. it's like I much said, rather hear car approaching on your right or um, something in a calm voice, uh, maybe some added information that I may well be aware of but might not be. And I'm not saying, you know, people shouldn't ever, you know, give information to the driver but um, or that your turn is coming up here um, is much better to hear than, oh, Start to you know, start to turn, or you know, and the, and it's um, it, it's unsettling. Um, uh, other people's what comes across as anxiety in other people will cause anxiety in me, and I can't turn that off as easily as other people because of my brain chemical changes. It, I'm mm-hmm. going to be on high alert longer, and as you and in the examples we're talking about right now, on high alert, not knowing what the alert is. Um, mm-hmm. That's just not. It's actually probably causes more accidents than it reduces. <laughs> yeah. 
Which is a really good point because that you know when we when we yell something out, it is about trying to help and trying to increase safety, mm-hmm. and, and we have to right. know it. You know, is it going to add to the problem? Um, and and you had mentioned tone of voice. You say it in a calm voice. Don't I mean the more scared you are, the more scared I'm going to be. You know, exactly. I, I mean that's that's how we always react. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, and, um, and so that's really important. Um, yeah, you know, to, to help in that controlled fashion. With it, that. it fits with the um, rushing me to um, to get ready or to be able to leave or to someone rushes me, I automatically slow down. I I don't know how to explain that except it's probably again hearing overload. Um, uh, it raises. Um, uh, people should know that those of us with cognitive changes tend to have trouble moving from one activity to another, as it is. Our form of depression uh, by many psychiatrists is seen as a difficulty to, uh, or it, it tends towards inertia uh, and, not, mm-hmm. and not initiating the first steps to another um, another activity or t- getting up to leave to go to another activity but rushing or yelling about needing to move forward Mm -hmm. to what we even want to go to is it kind of blocks um the ability to take the next step um Mm -hmm. because i'm because of the impatience of the other person um and again so calm words about um Shall I shall I get your uh, green jacket for you? Um, is much better, and it's again asking whether I want that help. <laughs> but mm-hmm. to 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 just uh, start the what feels like blaming um, is or shaming uh, that I'm not already ready. Um, it I'm not ready. If I'm not ready, shaming me about not being ready is not going to get me ready any faster, and it's probably going to slow me down. Um, and I, uh, since my steps for getting ready now are not automatic, um, it used to be, you know, I would just, all my, what I needed to do in the morning to go out of the house was sort of just automatic. Um you know, I didn't have to think twice about whether I brushed my teeth already. Or um, now, every step is a uh, conscious step, and I, mean, I probably should have a checklist of what they are as I'm going out the door. Or too often, my cell phone will be still on the counter. You know, I should, uh, but I can make those adaptations. But someone. Um, Pushing, pushing. Um, I, I, I'm not going to be able to find the shoe that I haven't, you know, to match any faster by someone um, making me feel bad. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. <laughs> well, you know, and and again, I think so much of what we're talking about today is 
um, similar to if someone's got dementia or not. I mean, nobody likes right. to be treated like that. Nobody likes to feel like that. And, and um, you know, one of my big, you know, platforms that I get on when mm-hmm. I get out there speaking is about, you know, our care culture. I mean, it's rotten. I mean, it's, it's, it's it doesn't really exist anymore. And we, we have to become, we have to consciously care um, about uh, how we interact and how we react and and how we engage people because each of us is very powerful and we affect mm-hmm. a lot more people than we think we do and we really yes. have to you know start start consciously thinking you know how how is somebody how is somebody taking this how is this being perceived because you can change things pretty easily um, if you just pay attention. Yeah, you know, and you I'll give two examples. A negative example: I'm in a a store with the, where they sell plants, and um, you know, a big nursery type store. And I asked for uh, geraniums because I like to have them indoors in a window in a bathroom during the winter, because the smell of geranium is just wonderful, and they like the moisture. Okay. Uh, well, the comeback can be, well, we don't sell geraniums this time of year because they're thinking about, you know, most geraniums are planted so that they'll bloom in fall outside. Okay. They didn't have to use that tone or that, don't you know, geraniums aren't sold at this time of year, that kind of an attitude. I go mm-hmm. into the hardware store. I thank them for the dementia-friendly um that they're a dementia-friendly business sign uh, outside, and I and I tell the clerk um, that I'm on the board of the Alzheimer's Dementia Alliance, and I so appreciate you went through the training and um, and that um, that you are aware of 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 what cognitive changes um, can mean, and the person says, the clerk says. But isn't that the way we should treat everyone? Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yep. Bingo. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it's just it's those small things of just putting things in in perspective. And um, again, I just think it is so critical that we start looking at our commonalities instead of our differences. You know, um, it's so easy to make people different and you know when you when you start you know looking at somebody different then it's one's better than another um and we get yeah. into the whole judging thing where if we look at our commonalities we look at our similarities and and we look at um the equality and, and it's a yeah. whole it's a whole different it's a whole different approach whole different approach and our young people need to understand this for their own sake and under, and um acceptance um we uh, we have a youth camp um that where we um we will besides the usual fun of a camp um uh, youth who have a loved one with cognitive changes um are invited to this and um we will talk about how grandma might need to leave the basketball game that you're playing in and and it won't be because you missed the basket, but or, you know, and she's leaving in disgust. But rather, the commotion she could only take that much commotion 
and um, and it would be great if you let Grandma know how much you even uh, that you as a youth appreciate that she made the effort to come. And and mm-hmm. some youth have said to their grandma, "You are my best cheerleader. I I know you can't stay um, as long as you'd like, but." Um, I love seeing you there when you can. And that's affirmation uh, that, and the, and the youth can understand that. It, otherwise, and sometimes uh, youth is visiting someone like in a nursing home, and, and um, grandma is very glad, so happy to see the youth. Um, mm-hmm. But there might be several youth at once, and, and after a while it might get to be too much, and and. And Grandma maybe isn't going to be able to explain this, but she needs to go into a quiet room for a little bit or go outside for uh, a moment. I go outside during family reunions and and just get some peace and quiet before I can come back in. But if the youth, if if not just youth but also adults, can understand um, or pre-warned about this or, you know, um, they can just take it as normalizing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, museums uh, that would like docents of of um, older people, including people with cognitive changes who might just be able to give a really good, you know, explanation about parts of the museum. But sometimes they'll, I have advised them to have like a what... Um, employees would have uh, as a um, a little uh, break room where mm-hmm. we can just go to have peace and quiet so we can come back and engage again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that quiet is so important. One of the things I, I say this all the time, um, again, it's one of Harry Urban's sayings, you know, I like to relax before I got dementia. I still do it. <laughs> And somehow I still like to, yes. Yeah, and and again. Exactly. You know, I I don't like it when I'm being pushed to do stuff, when I'm just tired and I want to relax, you know. It's just Mm -hmm, like leave mm -hmm. me alone. It's it's okay. I'm I'm comfortable. Comfort is good. And um, sometimes we're so worried about our comfort as, as a care partner, thinking that we have to be doing something, you know, mm-hmm. instead of really looking at, um, you know, the comfort of the person we're caring for um, or that we're, you know, just out with, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's we have to look at things different. We have to, I mean, that's how we're going to break the mess is by having these conversations, real important yeah. stuff. Let's, let's talk about the sense of smell and, and how that has changed for you. Again, I'd like to start with a positive. I mm-hmm. take more time and I notice more uh, beautiful flower scents, uh, especially wildflowers. Um, I've noticed that the roses that one buys in a store don't are, are seem to be bred for beauty rather than for scent. Uh, but anyway, um, and herbal scents um, and um, Aromatherapy is wonderful for me, um, but other scents, t- 
toxic scents like from cigarette smoke or, or wood-burning stoves or um, or um, those uh, fake perfumes um, that are supposed to cover scents, though artificial perfumes and air fresheners, uh, those kinds of things. The dry cleaning on the old-fashioned dry cleaning um, that you know, is pretty chemically based hairspray. Mm-hmm. All these things bother me. The fact that the person ahead of me in the washing machine used, uh, in the dryer, used um, a a heavy-duty kind of uh, softener sheet. Um, um, Recently, I was at an event meant for people with cognitive changes, and we had to use magic markers that smelled terribly. I mean, that made me almost nauseous. Well, you know, and the most permanent ones are kind of like that, I think. But mm-hmm. but now you can get them that are, you know, totally nonsense, you know, that, that, that for purpose of a name tag that's going to be on you for an hour. And, of course, you put this so close to your nose. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, finger, it's like um, the toxins that are in fingernail polish remover. Um you know, I have to put that up with that sometimes um, when I have an EEG. You know, that's the kind of thing that uh, that yep. they use to get the stuff off your hair. But I have to avoid these kind of things because um, e- even swimming pools, chlorine or or their alternative of bromine, I will, I may well get vertigo from it. Uh, mm-hmm. People have no, I and and that is not good for my brain. Um, so, in it's not just uh, unpleasantness; it's actually, you know, disruptive. Um, I may be more sensitive. I grew up where there was, you know, uh, paper mills spewing PCBs into the air, and and. Uh, and and there was arsenic in the soil, and, and we had the highest incidence of polio in the whole United States in the county I grew mm-hmm. up in. So I pay attention to what might be bothering me. And it can be, I remember from a child eating two hot dogs, which I wouldn't do all that often, but at a baseball game or something, you might end up doing that. I mm-hmm. would get a sense of headache from that. And I'm sure it was the preservatives that were being used mm-hmm. in those days so heavily. Um, but all these, uh, and smell, it does help us find some of those chemicals, but not, not all of them. But it, it's, I am much more affected by that than I used to be or than the average person is. Um, I might be a canary in the, in the, in the coal mine, um, I do not think that long-term. I might exposure to me might uh, might take effect faster, um, but I think it's it's probably the kind of exposure we should all avoid um, as mm-hmm. much as we possibly can. I agree. I I, I totally totally agree with you on that. Um, you know, I, one of the things I, I love about talking with you, Mary Kay, is you always, you know, say, let's start with the positives, you know, um, because <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is, but it's, it's important to, 
you know, with oh. any change in life, there's good and there's bad. Um, right. And sometimes we just focus on the one side. So, again, not really any different than any other circumstances. You know, I, I talk about, you know, my mom's disease being probably the biggest gift to me I'll ever receive. And, and, and people how seldom go, do we hear that? And we yeah. seldom hear it in the commercials to raise money for a cure even. I mean, uh, and yet I I do feel that the whole public could respond better and change our culture to be more accepting and, and more healthy for all of us yep. if we saw... If we saw the positive things, uh, and, and I, and that imagination, for instance, is worth is worth a lot, and and the you know engagement with music and the arts. I became a photographer, a highly regarded photographer, at age oh, what age what fifty seven. I got my first digital camera, and somewhat a, a true friend. Who, uh, who showed me how to use the camera but helped me practice with it with other women who were learning for the first time too it had nothing to do with their cognitive changes. And mm-hmm. now that has become a major therapy in my life. Uh, in fact, I, I wouldn't, I'd rather call it an exploration or a joy in my life is being able to photograph a wonderful moment and and then be able to edit it, to use it in different ways, and to share it with others. I put it on Facebook, and and all those likes that because and people thanking me for sharing the scene that they didn't get to see the day before um, is so affirming. It makes me feel like I'm continuing to contribute uh, and telling my story today to you and to the audience, it makes me feel like I'm contributing towards the good of of our society. And there, I believe that's my greatest therapy or my greatest um, way to um, reduce the, or keep at bay the, the, the challenges of, um, the difficult challenges of, of uh, Alzheimer's or other and other dementias, while um, engaging in the present moment and and living life well right now. Mm-hmm. Which is what how we should all be living our lives, you know. Um, exactly. We, then we we stay out of other people's business and don't be so judging, and we don't cause all all these wars and <laughs> different things that are are happening around us on no matter what level or what scale, you know, by trying to make people who they aren't. Um, you know, everybody should be, everyone should be able to live their fullest by being, you know, honest and authentic as to to who they are. You know, as long as it's not harming anyone else. Um, you know, or causing harm to themselves. And again, uh, to me, I think the disease is really here to teach us to get back to basics, to be better people, um, because we're we're not that good anymore. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say. I mean, there's a lot of good out there. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but but we could do a lot better. If we had to look at our report card, I don't think we'd be too happy. You know, if we had to go bring our report card home to our folks. 
And <laughs> the people I find the most difficult to be around are the ones who are judging me. Like they know exactly uh, what my situ- medical situation is, and they, of course, are way off. Um, uh, they, you know, are assuming I can't drive anymore, even though I just had this, you know, most wonderful professional driver assessment. And I'm probably a better driver than they are because they drive too slow and tend towards the middle of the road. I mean, but but they are so quick to to judge me, and 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 say really discriminatory kinds of things, um, and that. And I, but I do believe that the way um, what is bothering them is their own fear of their own cognitive changes, some of which they've maybe already experienced, and they are having a hard time accepting it. I think those are the people I have the hardest time to be with, um, mm-hmm. because um, it really is coming out of their fear, and. And that means we have to change, as you said. We need the, re- the report card of our whole community and of our whole culture um, needs to be upgraded by our, um, our appreciation of what each person can give at the moment and, and their gifts uh, to the community and, um, and how they can... Um, engage and be and be helpful um i do not want to be seen as just a person who needs care mm-hmm. i can i can help care for others and help you know help us develop a better culture um and i think i'll be able to do that even as if my even if my um, condition becomes um, more advanced, um, and I—it's very important for my health to be appreciated. I mean, it—it it, it can sound kind of self-serving, but those likes on um, on a photograph I put on Facebook—that those make my day. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's it's or they start my day in a very good way. Let's put it that way. I'm not I I'm not going to I'm not I have enough self feeling of self worth and I love myself enough that I'm not going to be totally at the you know the at somebody's who has a problem and fears about their medical future, I'm not going to be totally at their, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to take, I am try hard not to take their words as if that's a real understanding of what should be. Sure. And, and you're catching that I'm having trouble communicating right now, and I should just own that. I'm, I'm kind of rambling, and I'm kind of... Um, not getting to my point quickly, and that is me now. And I, and it would be better. It would. It's better if I let you, you know. Um, but I, I think it's uh, let you um, draw me to my point. But 
uh, and by your questions, which are very good. Your, the way you interview is really good. Um, but in a way, maybe it's good that the audience has just heard me struggle with getting to my point and, I, I and think learning it's, I think it's, that that is something I have I, I go to a, I've gone to a speech therapist because actually they can help with some of that. And one of their best advice was let people know that you need a few moments to be able to answer concisely. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you do that automatically by you know uh, interjecting, and then that gives me a chance to uh, put my thoughts together. I, I, I just I've never had this happen before where you know in front of people uh, and and to be able to name what was just happening. And I, I think this has actually been a, a, a good learning um, situation for me and, and maybe for the audience. Well, I think you've been doing an excellent job. And, in fact, speaking of interjecting, I just want to um, take a break and I just want to give a couple of organizations a, a shout-out and do uh, as, uh, uh, some highlights, if that's okay with you. Oh, um, yes. Okay. Well, I always like to give a shout out to the Purple Angel Project, um, which is a new global symbol for dementia. If you're interested in learning more on how you can tap into becoming a Purple Angel, which costs you no money and takes very little time, just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and go to our About page. There you'll see the tab for the Purple Angel. And uh, it'll be one click away and we'll get you up and running. The Alzheimer's Disease International Organization is a fantastic organization. They are the association of all the Alzheimer's associations around the world. So if you're looking for uh, an association close to you, if you are looking for global information and reports, um, they have wonderful, wonderful resources there. Uh, Check out ADI or Alzheimer's Disease International. If you're here in Minnesota... Um, or New Mexico, actually, Health Star Home Health is just a fabulous company. I have um, worked with them on several initiatives. They have trained their staff to become Alzheimer's whispers. Um, one of the things that I, I love about their approach is they're not just about training their staff, but their staff share what they've learned with the families they work with. And, um, you know, they've done memory screenings, very, very in touch and um, just extremely helpful and resourceful company. Again, home, uh, Health Star Home Health. If you're looking for a holistic approach, uh, the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is wonderful. There you'll find information on food and diet and exercise and meditations. Uh, many people have different types of dementia. Alzheimer's is, is one, but there's also Lewy body and frontal temporal lobe. Both have national um, organizations, um, along with the National Aphasia Association, which deals with speech. And um, as Mary Kay said, there's a lot of things that can be done to assist people with their speech. Alzheimer's Music Connect, uh, again, is one of my favorite um companies. Uh, The owner of that, Ron, actually his mom had the disease, um, but he has a patent pending um, technology that actually helps people engage up to three hours longer after listening to the music. And the music's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, So check out Alzheimer's Music Connect. And then there's Puzzle With Me, 
Jane Snyder developed new puzzles. Again, um, same situation, family member touched or needed something different. Uh, her mom liked to do puzzles. And so she created um, more adult-appropriate puzzles, uh, fewer pieces, larger in size, so they're easier to grab. And then Jiminy Wicket with James Creasy is an adaptive croquet game that can be used for education in schools. Uh, the schools can team up with memory care, or the um, product can be um, just used at home as a family. It's a, it's a wonderful game. We use it with our with our memory cafes. So those are just some of my 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 faves there that I like to give a shout out to. If you missed our last radio show, I did do a replay on the taboo discussion: life and death with dementia, um, a choice we choose not to discuss. Um, which is you know you're hearing more and more about this discussion. Um, very, very interesting, a broad um, spectrum of people speaking, um, both that are living with the disease, care partners, doctors, a little bit of everybody um, on that show. We also had one where we did movie reviews, which was kind of fun uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what are out there in terms of films and documentaries about Alzheimer's and other types of dementia and caregiving. Our next show uh, next week is going to be called Creative Connections in Dementia Care, Engaging Activities to Enhance Communication. So we're going to have the authors of this new book on with us, which will be fun. And then this afternoon, we will be doing our Dementia Chats webinar at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 2 Central, 1 o'clock Mountain Time noon Pacific, and 8 p.m. London time. Those are free. You can either go to our homepage or our Facebook page, Dementia Chats, um, and uh, find more information on how to um, partake in that. We would love to have you there. Our, our last one, all of them are recorded, um, just like the radio shows. So you can go back and, and listen and watch any of them. But our last Dementia Chats, we we had a discussion on our healthcare system um, and it was it was really interesting on on what our experts thought about um, how they were told, how they were uh, you know diagnosed. Um, we talked about doctors and medical professionals and the need for them to get more educated and more knowledgeable, not just on dementia, um, but also about providing supportive services and being able to refer people out. And they gave a lot of great examples and strategies. Um, were discussed as well. Uh, on the blog, just a couple of um, posts I want to mention. There's a really um, fun one about a Boy Scout getting his Eagle Scout designation, and he did that with a vision of improving lives for those with dementia by by building a saltwater fish tank. Um, it took him almost two years to raise the money, um, build it, get it stocked, find a home for it, and uh, there's a video that goes with that. Um, our intern, Michelle, did a nice story on the importance of family. And I also posted um, one called Feeling Blessed. Uh, I just had an article um, written on me that um, was a absolutely phenomenal. And I know my mom will be very, very proud because uh, without her, I wouldn't be doing any of this work at all. Um, but it's it's just kind of a fun article, and it's something that I wanted to to share with people as well. Um, with there, 
So um, that's it kind of for my my little updates there. Mary Kay, do you have still some more time? Maybe we can finish going through some of these examples? Sure. I'd love that. Okay. And um, our website is um, www.formemory.org. And um, uh, the information about that youth camp, which is in mid-July uh, in Wisconsin, is... Um, is um, is posted on there too, along with um, many of the examples that I've uh, or the suggestions I make um, called some ABCs of friending with just about anyone. Um, and um, but there's uh, there's many pages and resources there, and I, we're going to have to make sure all of the resources you just mentioned are on our resource page too. That's excellent. Okay. Great. And then you also, I, I wasn't aware of this, but um, at the conference, you gave out a book called Traveling with Hope. Is there a way that, P, it's called Sharing Our Experiences with Memory Challenges. Is there a, a way for, for others to be able to purchase this book? Yes. Uh, two ways. Both uh, easiest, I guess, when we're talking over the radio is um, to go to that website www.formemory, F-O-R-M-E-M-O-R-Y, dot org. Um, and um, it can be uh, purchased um, by sending a check-in, um, with the address is there, or, um, and we suggest $18, um, especially if we're going to be, uh, hand, you know, sending it out. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the book has ten examples of people written their own story of how they're living well with their cognitive changes. It's a beautiful um, book. Yes, yes. Um, has a lot of the, the research cited in the back regarding foods and nutritions and, and avoiding toxins and so forth is um, is now um, based on research that um, it just keeps being further. Um, further enforced by more research um in the in our website we add a lot of with the newer research relating to so, social interaction as being so critical um and how to accompany people um so um for instance um suggesting that um you um go to an arboretum with somebody or, you know, to a um, a nature place uh, with with somebody uh, who has some cognitive changes and and spending time in nature um, where uh, would be a great respite for the care partner, but also um, you, usually a very uh, positive thing and um, makes a a world of difference to the person with cognitive changes who maybe just can't go off themselves and and um, do that kind of activity. Um, so um, that's um, yes, and, and also we can take credit cards through the um, through the um, website it tells you how to do that on the donation page. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Let's talk about, let's go back to the senses and talk about yes. the feeling of touch and, and have you have you found changes in 
in how you receive touch. Yes. Um, the startling um, issue is, is again, comes up with touch. If someone approaches me from behind and gives me a big hug from behind, I will be startled by that. I didn't necessarily feel that way in the past, but now I will be. Um, and I, so I appreciate someone approaching me from the front and um, uh, asking me first before a hug, if, if not in words, at least by gesture, uh, if it's okay to be hugged. I, I now have, of course, more um, arthritis and those kind of issues. Uh, sometimes some people's handshakes can, like, actually hurt, right? <laughs> and they need to. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, many of us, uh, as we get older or if we've ever had an injury, you know, in our hands, that, you know, is, is hard. I love many kinds of massage and the touching of fingers and the holding of my face. Um, it, it's, um, I, I love the sense of, one of the newer senses of touch that I've experienced is walking on moss, on green moss out in the, you know, I'll actually take off these big hiking boots that I usually wear and just walk on the moss on, on a, you know, in a wild area. And um, I think um, the feel of wildflowers and getting down underneath um, a native plants. Um, of course, working in the soil, that's another feeling of touch. These are positive things. Um, kneading bread, um, maybe most of us aren't doing that, um, but uh, working with clay can give a lot of that same feeling. Um, see, uh, but more of a challenge in the touch area is that I bruise more easily than I ever did. Um, because of some of my medications. Um, so um, I actually encourage people to, uh, for people uh, to write down how best to approach me, um, because for each of us it's a little different. Um, for me, the, the startling thing is, is bigger than I would have expected. Um, so and and it affects all the all the all the senses or pretty much most of the senses. Um, I I um, I like to be hugged, but I like to I like that open arms coming slowly towards me, and so I can uh, reciprocate that I'm wanting this hug rather than someone taking over on how. Um, how I'm going to be touched. Again, this is pretty much how everybody, you know, or most people yeah. would say the same thing. But until I wrote down some of these things, a very good friend of mine said her husband was constantly approaching one of their relatives from behind and giving her a big hug from behind. And she was trying to tell him that she could see that that startled um, the relative, and but until 
I had it down in writing on my little ABCs of friending, um, she couldn't really communicate that clearly to him, and now her husband has stopped doing that and has um, uh, appro- is approaching that relative in a much more in a way that the relative can receive it and and reciprocate. Um, mm-hmm. It's so many of us act out of habits from a long time ago, and we just need to be more conscious of what uh, people want in the moment. Yep, very, very true. And, you know, when, when you know, processing things slows down, so if somebody comes up and hugs mm-hmm. you, um, if you don't have dementia, you kind of click, 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 you know, and you can figure out who it is, do you want the hug, and what's going on. But, you know, that seven, even that seven seconds, like we talked, in terms of letting someone respond, that's huge. I mean, if we sit and we click off seven seconds, we hate silence, you know. Uh, but that, that's, a long, that's a long time to not know what's going on, you know. And that's, and that's really what you're asking for is let me know. Let me get comfortable with what's going on so that I can decide do I want to be part of this or not. And um exactly. you exactly know. um, yeah it it reminds me of um uh high school dances, you know you didn't uh, I'm sure there was teasing you know, but you didn't force someone uh, to dance with you. it was an, an invitation to um and and it could be just by gesture. It, there doesn't have to be real words involved, but but yes, we are inviting each other to engage with us, not springing it on people. And I think uh-huh. the seven I've I've not heard of of the seven second rule in relation to this, but that's a good one. It it it's a a very good way to monitor oneself. Yep. Yep. It's it's very very important. Um, what about you know? Do you get any type of fee at all for for balance? Is that kind of an issue? I know you had yeah. issues falling. Um, because my first symptoms were falling. I mean, in hindsight, we realized it was part of the same thing. Um, it was part prob- probably part of the spatial intelligence issue and the fact that of the glasses that were inappropriate for me to be using outdoors um the eyeglasses but um i've had physical therapy for balance several times in my life and i try to um at, and i think it's very helpful um still at that i um have been advised that should i ever be stopped by an officer who wants to to do a sobriety test uh uh, by the walking with your hands, you know, hands out, uh, f- foot on top of foot, I'll probably never pass that. And I hardly, mm-hmm. uh, I, if I have one drink of alcohol a month, that's about it. <laughs> I'm not, um, I, my balance will not be perfect. But physical therapy for that is very important. And... Um, and having um, 
having uh, and all the safeguards that they do with the physical therapy being um, typically uh, being near a wall or um, um, or a chair as you as you do that physical therapy. Um, um, we got to remember that uh, dementias typically or cognitive changes do not just affect what we think of as intellectual things. They affect our whole body functioning and, mm-hmm. and, and our emotions a great deal also. And we, um, so therefore, we're, I'm much more likely to drop things than I used to, a clumsiness kinds of issues. And um, along with the fa- with the falling, um, it happens that the antidepressant that I is so ideal for me um, in a patch form is a was found as because it was originally a drug for Parkinson's disease, and they just mm-hmm. found that it also helps um, with the dopamine generally for um, for at least people like me, who have some Parkinsonianism atypical symptoms. Anyway, um, a bit of tremor, um, some things like that. I I find that it's um, the more every step I can take, you know, that, that old rule or mantra that each step you take, it helps your brain. Um, mm-hmm. It helps my whole body. And um, therefore, um, doing whatever I can to be as as stable a walker as I can be is important. Um, So, yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I I don't often talk about that, and and yet it is, for me personally, a critical part. And as I uh, meet more people, it's surprising how many have... um, overlaps with other issues that mm-hmm. you know like the world the the world of MS uh and ALS and other movement um uh, conditions um parkinson's disease or park, you know or or just symptoms of parkinsonianism a lot of these things are interrelated or that scientists should be talking to each other practitioners should be who are in one specialty should be aware of the others and the latest research on the others in ways in order that we find ways to live um to integrate all our symptoms um or or to um so my hammer tools, which is pretty typical in a lot of people with actual Parkinson's disease, and um, and while I don't have that disease, I um, it's important that you know I I I, I see a um, podiatrist to um, keep as healthy uh, a feet as possible because that is my um, exercise of choice anyway. And uh, we are, I I like that mantra, I am not my disease. Um, I would go on to say I'm not not just my, you know, the cognitive change person. I am 
also have changes in many aspects of my whole body and of my whole person, including my emotions, and and I am part of uh, of a whole family. I'm part of a whole community, and I and I'm affected by and I need to contribute to the well-being of the whole earth. All these things are very interrelated, and seldom do we talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's um, okay. What, what about um, what about like handshakes? And stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different types of handshakes out there. Now. Have you noticed any differences with that? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm somebody that always gave kind of a good firm handshake, not not tight, but I, 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 and I kind of I think I had a prejudice against people who gave a very weak handshake, and and not realizing that um, perhaps. It, there were physical issues for that, and and now I just the touch of the fingers is is a positive thing. Um, the um, tap on the on the shoulder as a, um, where when it's when they're in front of me is a positive thing. Um, I. Um, I've learned not to judge by how firmly someone can handshake. And um, I might gently hold a hand for a, a bit longer than to um, to just, um, you know, do this firm um, businessman-like, you know, squeeze of the hand, which can be um, over overbearing um yeah that i guess that would summarize how i feel about that okay okay well sounds good let's talk about um taste you know have have your taste buds changed at all we we keep hearing about people um with more advanced issues and and elders generally as not having a Strong a sense of taste, um, and therefore adding more seasoning than they used to, or you know, uh, for me that's not the case. In fact, I um, I think I taste. Uh, maybe it's because I'm using more organic and locally grown foods, tasting them at their best times, and um, I I do feel the need to avoid MSG at all costs um, and many preservatives um, because the aftertaste is, is, besides which I know they're not good for me, um, but the aftertaste is is overwhelming. Um, When I'm under too much stress, I eat more, uh, you know, kind of as a comfort kind of thing, and I... Uh, and it's interesting when I have lots of physical activity and, you know, I'm enjoying the the walking in the woods and so forth, I don't feel the cravings for for food um, except to, you know, um, it's, it's very important for me to eat very uh, several small amounts of food through the day um, just 
uh, if I'm especially if I'm doing uh, heavy walking and physical activity, pulling lots of garlic mustard or something, I'm going to make sure I have, you know, food close to me um, and drink. Um, I will, under too much stress, get um, diarrhea, and I am much more aware of that than as a young person. Didn't uh, stress didn't uh, affect me in those ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I, so again, I, I think I sometimes, I taste good things even, um, well, I taste, I um, have a, my taste buds are very, um, very sensitive to both good taste and to the toxins that I might, okay. um, come across. Okay. And, you know, I think it is, um, interesting. I mean, I, you know, I think my body is, is reacting more to some of the chemicals and different mm-hmm. things, or maybe I'm just getting older and recognizing, you know, <laughs> slowing down, you know, what what's well, And they do say that on. some allergies come on upon us, or sensitivities come upon us later in life, and um, yeah. But I think the accumulation of these things, and in uh, what do they say in the average building, even a church in a in a in the average church building or pretty much any building, you're going to encounter many, many more chemicals than our grandparents did or our great-grandparents did before them. Um, and the soil that our our, plant, our conventional foods are grown in aren't nearly as healthy generally as they were for our great-grandparents. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's bound to have some effect on, on how foods taste, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, another thing that, and I noticed this a lot with my mom, and I noticed when when she was in the nursing home, um, a lot with other people, and I and I've heard this from so many people that I've talked to that um, are, are diagnosed with dementia is body temperature issues. Yes, I um, I need socks on my feet, even though I don't really have. Because of my walking and my physical activity, I don't really have a lot of problem with circulation, but um, my will get chilled, um, and so often I'm wearing socks at night in bed, and at the same time, I need a cool pillow, and I'm turning my pillow uh, over or using a you know switching to a different pillow um, when the pillow I've been leaning against has gotten warmed by my body temperature, my face, my, um, so it's very interesting that different parts of me need different things and to, to sleep soundly and, and sleep is so important to us. So, um, and, and some of us have, you know, a much narrower, um, uh, Set, set of degrees uh, at that where we are most comfortable when we're sleeping, and um, since sleep is so important to us, um, I just you know I I I have several pillows. I have you know I do what I need to do to um, to really feel comfortable. Um, I know others uh, during the daytime are more affected by. Um, if it's hot weather, they're more affected by by the hot weather than I am. Um, but I know that can change. Um, mm-hmm. For now, um, 
most of the uh, most of this is what I need for good sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that's important. Again, you know, sleep is <laughs> such a critical piece, and I mean, it, it causes us stress. It can cause <sighs> us um, memory issues. It can cause us, you know, cognitive problems, even if it's not dementia. Um, it, it's critical for all of us, and we really have to pay attention to that. I know for my for my mom, you know, her sleeping patterns definitely changed, um, and so that was important. But she she also, you know, would be cold. I mean, my mom used to. I mean, this is this is one of my funnest memories mm-hmm. of my mom was. And it wasn't a fun time for her, but it was just, it's kind of hilarious when I picture it. But it it could be literally 40 below zero, and my mom would be having a hot flash, and she would be sitting outside in the winter with it snowing in a blizzard in shorts, beet red, you know. And for wow. for this woman mm-hmm. who had severe hot flashes to be cold was just a huge, huge change. Um, right. And something that we didn't recognize at first because, I mean that thought never even came to us really because she was she was always really warm and mm-hmm. um you know or a time we were at the the nursing home at a picnic and there was a a woman who was nonverbal and she was in a wheelchair and she had a a tray across uh, her wheelchair and she was banging on it banging on it and the the um staff was getting really upset with her and I yeah. said I, I noticed that she didn't. She had socks on, but she didn't have shoes on, and that her pants, when she sat, raised, and so her legs were exposed. So I asked if they would just get a blanket, and they got a blanket, and she immediately got this big smile on her face, and she calmed right down. And they said, "Oh, we had no idea. We had no idea, you know." And 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 she was just she was one of those women that um, you know couldn't communicate, you know, through speech, had these eyes. In fact, someone asked me if there was one person in the world that you would want to talk to, it was that woman. Because she had the most interesting sparkle of an eye, yet she couldn't communicate so much of the time the way that I'm sure that she wanted to, and people couldn't, didn't know how to communicate with her. And I thought if there was one person I wanted to talk to, it was, wasn't the president, it wasn't, you know, wasn't the Nobel Prize winner. It, it was this woman in this shell of a body people, you know, uh, would, would refer to her as, who was just brilliant. And I would have loved to have known who she was and how we could have cared for her better. And um, just uh, just amazing um, how true, and it can change just kaboom for people. Oh, right. I, I I hear people with Louis body a lot of times struggle with their temperature, their body temperature just fluctuates constantly, and it's very difficult um, for them to stay comfortable. And you know, again, something that you know can be dealt with by layering or unlayering of clothes, um, you know, mm-hmm. if we're just conscious. Um, it can be getting somebody out of a breeze, noticing that, you know, I mean, just even noticing, okay, it's breezy out now. Is this affecting somebody? Just ask. Just ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just consciously care. Why don't we talk about, we only have, I, we've been talking almost mm-hmm. two hours, I can't believe it, but this is just so fascinating, and I think it's just 
critical information that people need. Can you give us some examples of speaking differently? And I know you mentioned today where, you know, you stopped and said, you know, I'm going to take ownership. I'm kind of rambling right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, it it wasn't overly evident at all. And so just so just to let you know that. Um, right. What are what are some different? But you're a patient you... person, and you um, you're you're used to being um, uh, around um, persons with some cognitive changes, and others, uh, especially those in denial on their own and so forth, uh, will take that as my taking up too much space, especially in a meeting, um, and. Um, not am wanting to control the conversation when or the or what we're talking about um, I tend to talk chronologically instead of getting to the point which might be the end of the the, the story or the uh, uh-huh. I, I I go back and um, you know well this person called me and then then she was coming over and you know and I um, have to work very hard to brush aside all those unnecessary steps, um, or I try to do that. Um, and um, some of this, you should know, is not probably directly resulting from the Alzheimer's type or vascular dementia type of um, mild cognitive impairment, but actually I have an underlying um uh, health issue that my mother and others who in my family um, who are affected by um, um, cognitive changes, many of us have um, a tendency towards seizures or um, or some develop actual epilepsy where um, my mother, for instance, would have grand mal seizures. And if you have left temporal lobe epilepsy, you tend towards wordiness and having a hard time getting to your point but finally getting to it um we are some of the best uh writers uh of uh, writing lots of books and so forth uh in 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 history but um those of us with left temporal lobe but it can be irritating to people uh and um and when i'm fatigued it's even my tendency is to do that even more so because I've uh, that combined with having difficulty finding my words, pulling the word I really want out of the shelf to, you know, in my brain to to say it or in my mind, um, and having to so often find another way to express it. Um, and with my vocabulary, I usually can, and I can smoothly do that. Um, it doesn't feel smooth from the inside at all, um, and it is very exhausting. So what might be like um, I used to be able to do several press conferences and a, and a speaking engagement in, in one day, no problem. Uh, I mean, especially when I was running for office years ago. But now, like what we're doing today on the radio, I would never schedule another talk or uh, sort of an on-demand speaking thing. Um, Any time, you know. Uh, in fact, after this 
radio show, I will go outside and into the woods and refresh myself. I used to take naps, but now I find out that that's what I need to do. Um, So speaking is, um, first of all, the little tiny lesions in my brain that um, show some that would be associated with um, cognition are very close to my language lobe, and that is what is most affected for me. And other people have different things, but for many people with cognitive changes, finding our words is difficulty is difficult. Mm-hmm. And the more relaxed setting, and you help me relax a great deal, um, the better. Um, and the because then I don't pretend as much, uh, which is of course an added level of tension. I can just be myself as much as possible and that's why memory cafes are wonderful because everybody else just about everybody else in the room is uh knows well what it is to struggle to find a word um Mm -hmm. and um and it's great that when we can just just communicate so um yeah i i and and each of us is probably different as to what we'd like when we are speaking, I am happy to receive a a signal that would help me, like a little note turned over by a good friend, to remind me that they're looking forward to the point of my uh, what I'm trying to get to, and or um, um, I, I I often invite people to uh, when I'm trying to find the right word, I'll I'll. I'll gesture to the people I'm talking to um, because I think I've described it enough and I and I can't think of another way to say it and, and they'll just, you know, together we'll come up with the word. Or we won't, but we'll acknowledge we know what we're talking about and we'll go on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, 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 and that's true with it, you know, with it doesn't have to be somebody with cognitive changes. It, who will be able to do that with me? Um, it's uh, and I and I think it's a gift that when we when we can be that at ease with the people that we're talking with, that that we can say, yeah, well, neither of us can think of the name of that restaurant, but we know we know which one we're talking about because we've just described where it is and what kind it is, and and then we and who can, you know we don't have to have that word; we can just you know decide if that is the place we want to go to or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's well, it, a lot about how I, the speaking thing. Um, it, it, there is more and much more exhaustion. I don't, I tend not to talk on the telephone after nine o'clock unless it's a very, in the evening, unless it's a very good friend where I just can, and can be totally at at ease with um, with not finding my words easily, um, but generally I much prefer emailing. Um, anything that's sensitive or um, say, where I need to be precise um, and concise, it's best that I email it because I can go back and put in that word that I couldn't think of a paragraph before, you know, um, or, yeah, 
and and I'll um, and I've learned <laughs> that I better proofread everything because you know. <laughs> um, so that 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 my communication is my biggest my biggest challenge, and um, um, that's um, that's just the way it is with me, and um, and yet it's. Um, I feel that people should have patience with that, uh, and um, it is a form of disability, um, but it's one of my many disabilities. You know, uh, I, I'm still when um, I'll often come up with a wonderful turn of words, um, but it, it I, I can't count on that. I can't count on like like when I was running for mayor in Madison, I would be able to just, uh, in a debate, be able to just uh, turn a word and um, or remind the, another definition of the word or something that the person had, the, my debate partner had just used, and just um, really um, talk in um, in short um, quotables um, and. Now, I I I do not attempt to challenge myself in in that way. I will. I'm becoming comfortable with how I have to how I speak. And it, my biggest adaptation now that I've learned is to ask for a little time before I respond. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, this. This has been so enlightening. I think you have just given such great information to so many people. Um, I mean, there's just so many nuggets of of how to interact um, better and easier. And, you know, one of the things that I love that you said was, you know, I, when I'm speaking, I don't, you know, if I'm comfortable, I don't, I don't have to fake it. I don't have to pretend. And if we all think of how exhausting that is to be something we're not or to try to try to be accepted you know always on the edge feeling like you're being judged that that's a horrible place to be oh it and to allow somebody that freedom to to be who they are is a gift and you know i think if we can put it back on ourselves to how uncomfortable that is and how much work that is and how much we hate that when when we're mm-hmm. in it, you know, maybe just maybe it'll be easier for us to be um, more conscious and more giving and more accepting of others. Knowing we, you know, when we always say "do unto others as you'd like done unto you," mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, start walking the talk, you know, start mm-hmm. start living that line um, right. because people with dementia deserve it too. Yes. Yes, and we are easily discriminated against, not only for what uh, our losses in abilities are, but for the perception that uh, we're going to become hostile or we're going to, you know, become uh, um, not able to engage in good decision-making or any number of things that people... Uh, you know, maybe they observed in somebody at very uh, 
few people at very advanced stages and 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 which isn't even universal for everybody at advanced stages say of alzheimer's but expecting that in in anyone who has been public and has shared their their story of how they are with their current level of cognitive changes um i have to say that um there are people who make judgments about me and about and discriminate uh against me um uh, based on what they think they've decided <laughs> i'm going to become uh and assuming that's going to happen tomorrow and mm-hmm. or today later today <laughs> i mean it's like um it it's unfortunate it's a, and and that kind of uh, that tends towards isolating a person and and that kind of thing is um the worst thing for that person for me but also for society because for our communities and for society because it's going to push people be, feeling judged and feeling um, the impatience of others or the fear from others is going to push us or or it will accelerate our our cognitive decline um, as as it would for anybody and um, on the other hand, to leave it more positively, the true friends that I have experienced are people who remind me of what I can do and how I am changing, helping to change our culture to a more accepting and more and healthier uh, community um, rather than emphasizing what I can't do quite as perfectly as I used to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And part of this is... um, my true friends laugh with me and enjoy the moment with me as we each are right now. And that is a gift. Um, and that is a gift we owe to each other. Definitely. Definitely. Well, again, Mary Kay, I cannot thank you enough for, for your um, chat today. It's just, it's absolutely been wonderful. Um, do you want to give out your website again one more time for people yes, to be able yes. to? And I'm I'm also happy if people do Facebook. Um, my Facebook name is my name, Mary Kay Baum. And I'm happy to, um, especially people who appreciate nature or, or discussions about cognitive changes. Um, um, my uh, the website that For Memory uses is uh, www.formory.org. In other words, For Memory. Um, we realize that it's not just, um, and in fact, I have very, very few memory changes. That is not my issue. But to preserve my memory, to in- enhance it, we need to change our culture and um, change our environments to healthier ones. So that's why we use the term for memory. Um, 
And Wonderful. I thank you for having um, us on, and I hope that um, people especially pay attention to the youth camp um, because this it is important that our youth have understanding, and they will be the leaders of the future for cha- to make our culture what it should be. I, I agree. Thank you so much for being with us. Our time is up. We'll see you all mm-hmm. next week. Thanks again, Mary Kay. You are absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.